Fabulous, fabulous. Hi, everybody, especially for any visitors today, a special welcome. My name is uh, Johnny Greenshields. I'm a member of our congregation here. And uh, I'm really excited to share our, our Bible bit together, everybody. So as we start, let's take uh, a big deep breath. Let's get nice, our com nice and comfy. Let's get our hands nice and comfy too. And let me say a little prayer for us as we start. I'll say, Father God, help us to understand this bit of the Bible. Help us to be people who trust you and put you first. Amen. Everybody, when people meet me for the first time, there's a particular attribute of mine that they tend to notice and make comment on first. I know you're already thinking it. You're thinking handsome, I get it. No, we're talking about the height, aren't we? People seem to have a bit of a thing about my height. And let me tell you, it's pretty fantastic being this tall. There are loads of things I am dead, dead useful for. Let me show you some of my top skills in and around the house. So number one, if you need something popping up on the high shelf, I am perfect for that. Or number two, if you ever need something measuring, I'm actually a perfect two-meter ruler. And so if you need something checking out and looking on that one, if you ever need one of my spare four chins, I can lend you one of those ones too. Or if you've got some frightening animals that need measuring up to and squaring up to, I'm the man for that particular job. In fact, I'd say I'm pretty much the world champion of being tall, the world champion of reaching things high. I thought today I'd give one of the, the boys and girls here a chance to come for my title, to come for the big guy, to see can anyone take me on, do you think, in a reaching really high competition? Who fancy? Who thinks they can take me on? Martha, you're giving me the look, come on. We, we evidently haven't planned this already. Martha's already taken out my title of most adorable middle green shield sibling. And now, you're coming for me on the high reaching, Martha, are we? So what's going to happen in our competition? We're going to see who can put a post-it highest on the back wall just to uh, get you ready for this. In a minute, I'm going to do something spectacular. We're going to burst into spontaneous applause. If you feel a standing ovation's worth it, I might dish out some high fives. Ready, everybody. Ready, boys and girls, to see. Martha, you're never taking this. Ready, ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah! The high fives are coming. The high fives are coming. Don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging, everybody. Don't leave me hanging. I'm so tall. Keep on going, keep on coming, keep on coming, keep on coming. Keep on coming, keep on coming, keep on coming. I, I must be the winner. I must be the... I truly cannot believe it. Mrs. Greenshields, Martha, thank you very much. Cancel the weekend plan, Sarah. I've got practicing to do. <laughs> so, uh, someone must have had a pretty amazing helper. You can feel the tenuous link coming here, can't you? <laughs> I can't imagine, Martha, you did that all by yourself, unless you've been secretly on the stretching path practice when I've been looking. In today's Bible bit, we see a big comparison between someone who's been a bit silly in a show-off and thinks he's the real greatest, a bit like I did there, and someone who has the most amazing helper. Let's have a little look at that Bible bit now. Our story starts with Herod, a special last-minute Herod, who stepped in very kindly. Herod looks regal, doesn't he? We need a throne for our king. 
<laughs> the booze are already starting from Phoebe there. Come and, get, come and get comfy for us, Herod. I need maybe a couple of servants to look after him and make sure, yeah, come forward. Thomas, come forward. Let's make sure Herod's really comfy. Let's make sure he's got a cushion to sit on really comfortably. Or he's, he's looking a bit hot. Maybe you could just waft him a bit, keep Herod nice and cool there. Look after Herod for me. See, we might be confused and think this is Christmas story, Herod. It's not Christmas story, Herod. It's actually Easter, Herod, the one who put Jesus unfairly to die. Herod loved to think he was the greatest. He wanted people to respect him and to do what he said. He loved for people to praise him. And so he would do whatever it took to be popular. So when he realized that some people are getting upset at how much the Christians had grown, he had one of their leaders, James, killed, and another called Peter put in prison. Peter, come up here. Herod had, some pe- had heard that some people liked it when Jesus had been killed, and he planned to do the same to Peter. We can imagine that scene That night, can't we, Herod is relaxing in his palace. He's got servants, maybe feeding him grapes whilst he lounges and watches his entertainers. He thinks he is the most important person on the world. On the other hand, Peter, come lie down for me on your cold prison floor. I need a couple people with angry faces who could be mean prison guards. Oh, you two guys come up with angry prison guards looking after him to make sure he doesn't escape. If we pause the story now, so everybody freeze. It looks pretty one-sided, doesn't it? Where would we rather be this evening, in the palace or in the prison? It seems like in this story, there is only going to be one winner. But Herod didn't realize something really important. It's something we see all the way through the Bible, that God's people have the most amazing helper. And with him on our side, there can only be one winner. We see it all the time in the Bible, David versus Goliath, it seems one-sided. Daniel versus the lions, seems like a disaster waiting to happen. And in this part of the Bible, a small band of scared Christians, how can they do anything important? But with God's help, they were completing the mission he had given them of sharing the good news of Jesus with the entire world. So what happens next? Let's look at it together. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter, a light shines in the cell. He strikes Peter, he wakes him up, says, get up quickly. And the chains fall off his hands and the angel says to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did, wrap your cloak and he escapes. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, everybody. Can come and sit down for me. Thank you, boys and girls. Come and sit down for me, everybody. Thank you. Peter has the most amazing escape, doesn't he? From right under Herod's nose, God takes Peter away to safety. God rescues Peter from Herod, and he shows Herod and everybody else who the really powerful one is, who the most amazing helper is. This one is the most amazing helper we can think of. It also shows us all something really important about what happened to James, Peter's friend. You might remember in the story, Herod actually kills James, has his soldiers kill James. We might look at that and think, well, that's not really fair, is it? How can Peter get rescued and James doesn't? Does God like score an own goal with James and and make up for it? 
with a hat trick with Peter. What's going on there? We might look at situations today where we want God to act in a certain way, but it doesn't seem to happen. Those situations can be really hard to understand for all of us. But this story helps us to see that when those things happen, it's not because God couldn't save James or do a certain thing, but instead has something even more amazing planned. God was James's helper when he needed him most, in the most amazing way, a way even more amazing than escaping him from a prison. And it's just the same way that God can be each of our helper too, in an amazing way. At the moment when each of us dies, God can hold our hand and take us to eternal life with him. That is the most amazing type of helper anyone could have. So what happens next? Peter heads away and goes to hide in the house of other Christians who have been praying that their friend would be made free. As he calls in, only one person recognizes whose voice is calling, a girl called Rhoda. It says, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and told everyone, reported it was Peter at the gate. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't imagine that Peter could be free. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting and they kept saying, it's an angel. But Peter continued to knock. And when they opened, opened they saw him and were amazed. God had turned the tables on Herod in the most incredible way. He has stopped that all Herod wanted to do by killing James and arresting Peter. Herod wanted the good news about Jesus to stop, but instead it spreads and spreads and spreads. Just like Jack told us at the end of our story, the word of God increases and multiplies all the way to our country and to us. Can you imagine being the servant who had to tell King Herod what had happened, that his prized prisoner, Peter, had escaped? Herod flies into a furious rage at the soldiers. He even sentences his own soldiers to death. But things were going to get even worse yet for Herod. We said before that Herod loved to be seen as someone who was powerful, and now he had the most amazing chance to do that. Next in our story, some people come to Herod because they need his help. They have run out of food. They need Herod to save him. So what does Herod do? Does he help kindly? No, not without making them pay for it. He puts on his most special robes. He takes his seat on a special throne and gives this long, long, long speech about how amazing he is. He makes the people shout to him the things they should really say about God. He wants, to treat, well, he wants them to treat him as if he's a god. It's sad, isn't it? Herod has not learned the lesson about who the truly powerful one is. He thinks he is the most important helper, not God. God lets Herod continue with his pride and his showing off behavior. He lets it go all the way to the end to show us once for all what that leads to. God had already shown Herod who is really in charge once, hadn't he? And he does so once more by taking Herod's life. The story tells us a bit of unusual detail about what happens to Herod. He gets eaten by a worm, or many worms, maybe one massive one. I don't know how often you spend thinking or, or looking at worms. Worms are pretty funny, aren't they? All wig wriggly and squirmy, but they're also pretty, pretty helpless. 
they can't really help themselves in a situation. They certainly don't seem to compare a worm to a mighty, mighty king, do they? But in this moment, God is showing Herod and everyone who will listen that if they set themselves against God, they are made weaker than a worm. There will only be one winner if we go against the king of the whole universe. What a story. All three E's in one story, uh, escape and execution and now eaten by worms. That must be some kind of record. Let's have a little think as we close about what this story might mean for us in our different situations this week. I can see three three key ways we could put this into practice. Firstly, we need to trust God to be our helper, just like James and just like Peter did. Each of us might face something tricky or difficult, maybe at school or at work or in families this week. We might face particularly tricky times for wanting to follow Jesus. People might not understand us. People might think we are strange for putting him first. The best thing we can do in that situation is trust God to be our helper. One way we can show that is by praying and asking for him to help us. Another way we can show that we trust God is by remembering not to be a show-off. Herod just loved to be a show-off, didn't he? He wanted people to think he was the bravest and the most powerful. And we might not quite be like that, but there's always ways that each of us like to show off too. It might be that we always want to talk about how amazing we are, or that we always insist on having the first turn on a new tie. Or for the grown-ups here, maybe it's a trap that we fall into here. Maybe where we think we're so important that we can make the plans and God will go with them, that we're the most important person in our lives. A way that we show we trust God is by giving him our plans. And remember that all of our good things, our talents, our skills, the things we're good at, come from God. And so therefore we should thank God for them rather than expecting people to thank us for being so amazing. And lastly, we should listen for the voice of good news, just like Rhoda did. Do you remember Rhoda back in the prayer meeting? Everyone there was hoping that God would do something amazing. But Rhoda was the one person who believed without seeing, who thought that that voice that she could hear must be Peter, that God had done it. Rhoda believes that God can do what in human terms seems impossible, to bring Peter back. I bet there are things that we would like God to do, but sometimes we struggle to believe that they're possible. Maybe there's a friend we would love to come to church, but we struggle to believe it in practice. Can we all be a little bit more like Rhoda this week and listen for God's voice of good news in our different situations? Can we be bold like Rhoda in trusting God to do what we think is impossible and bold to work with God like Rhoda did? Maybe by inviting them or uh, along to a, a Christmas service this, this, some, sorry, this winter in our church. Boys and girls, thank you so well for, for listening so good this morning. Before we go, let's have one more moment of calm where we sit really still, where we leave our hands really comfy and let's say thank you to God for his story in the Bible. Father God, thank you that you are our helper even to do things that appear impossible. Help us to recognise that you are the powerful one and the one we should put first day to day. Amen.